Osai, and this is my podcast where I take on themes exploring culture, society, and the experiences of Nigerians in diaspora. Happy Independence Day, people. Today's Nigeria's 61st birthday. It marks the 61st year since Nigeria got uh, political independence from the British. Now, economically and socially, that still remains to be seen, but you know, that's a different podcast. Now, before I get into independence, I want to just touch on a few things first. So first thing, the show's still on a break. Um, I just thought it would be pretty cool to jump out and give you this nugget. Hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Next up, I have to say a huge thank you to everyone who supported um, uh, the Pulse Nigeria nomination. For those who don't know, Pulse Magazine um, out of Nigeria nominated um, Two Takes in a Pod as uh, one of the podcast influencers of the year. Um, very, very honored to be mentioned, recognized, seen. Um, very, very exciting. Um, I was even more excited at the alpha support I got from um, my friends, uh, the people around, and a lot of the listeners. Um, definitely really, really just... Uh, grateful that um, the work is being recognized to some extent and I hope that you continue to enjoy the content um, keep working on making sure the quality is good and if you have any interesting or useful feedback I'm always happy to hear it now that's sorted um, what's the point of this episode I mean quite obviously it's a Nigerian independence episode um, I want to drop a special episode commemorating uh, Nigeria's 61st uh, birthday uh, marking our independence and uh, whenever Independence Day comes around I find myself asking a lot of questions how do I feel about Nigeria how connected am I to back home and um, how Nigerian I am I I guess to some extent um, the other question is you know where's Nigeria going um, where are the industries going how are the people like where is Nigeria going in the future you know what's it going to look like in the next 5 to 10 15 years and uh, then the last thing is just really the character of, um, of, of the country, I guess, uh, the people, the nation, politically, the leadership. What are, what are the best attributes about Nigeria? You know, what are the best attributes about Nigerians? You know, what's, uh, you know, where are we going? Where are we headed? What do we value? Um, so those, those are the conversations um, that I'll be having on this episode. And the whole point really is to ask myself this question first, ask my guests this question, but more, more but most importantly, um, ask uh, you, the listeners, these questions. Where do you land on this? Where, where do you value? And, uh, um, and where would you differ from my guests on their positions? I'm super curious about all of that. I'm really interested in what you have to say. And uh, you know the vibes. Look at the 
feel good. I feel good. Okay, happy Independence Day. Um, <laughs> I know, I know it's, technically, it's technically not Independence Day, but this will be dropping on Independence Day. So, yeah. Happy Independence. yeah. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. Wow, how old are we again? 61? Yeah, 61-ish, something like that. Um, yeah. Um, big one, big one. And don't mind the little little noise uh, in the background there. You know, uh, we love our pets, but you know, they 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 yeah. get annoying sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Mirabel, thank you for for joining me today. I know you're an associate editor at the Republic, um, which yes. is a, a a Nigerian magazine that essentially covers culture, politics, current affairs, history, human affairs, history. Um, pretty pretty highbrow Nigerian publication, really good quality writing, and uh, yeah, so I'm really honored to have you here, um, sitting with me. Oh, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Okay, so um, how would you? I mean, first off, I want to just describe, how would you describe you know the work that you do or that that's being done at the Republic? I want people to have an understanding of what you do and maybe part of the reason why. Um, you know, you're going to be on here today. So can you just briefly touch on that? Okay, so The Republic is an online publication based in Nigeria. We cover stories, you know, both um, local and, you know, international stories, anything that, um, you know, kind of impacts or affects Africa in any kind of way. So we, like, we can cover something as unique as the... Um, or as niche as the border, like when they closed the border in Nigeria and how that affected us. Or, right. you know, we can cover something like, um, you know, like what Russia's relationship with African countries is like and how that affects us. So we, we cover like a whole wide range of topics. We also cover things that are lighter because maybe some people think that everything is like really heavy. Right. We also have like pieces on Nollywood, um, we have like a lot of cultural pieces. We do book reviews as well. So like we have like a whole range of things from like right. really quote unquote less serious to like you know very very serious, very political, very you know, yeah, very charged. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think you know what 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 um, the Republic seems to do well is make sure there's good quality writing. Um, I like the approach to perspectives. Not all of them I particularly agree with, which is absolutely okay. But there is definitely, uh, you know, they're they're not going for the surface level. They're going a little deeper, and I and I do appreciate that. Let's let's get into the Independence Day piece, right? Um, All so, right. Uh, one of the things I'm curious about, uh, for whether you're back home or you're away, um, you know, abroad somewhere else, uh, aka you've japad, right? Um, whichever one it is, I'm always curious how Nigerians feel about the country. You know what aspects and characteristics of Nigeria, you know, feel good or do you enjoy, do you miss, um, you know, and what are you seeing or experiencing? So for you, I know that you know. Um, for me, I've been away, and some of us have come back. Like you have come back. So I'm curious, you know, did Nigeria feel like home to you when you initially went back, and what was the first thing that like felt, um, what's the word, recognizable? You know what I mean? That you felt like you could feel more comfortable in. Did it feel like home when you went back? Uh, it definitely felt like home. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Okay, but I guess part of it is, like, the, um, not the reason why I had to come back, but just, like, the fact that 
I didn't come back big like like it was my choice but it wasn't like things were going swimmingly or perfectly and then I was like oh I want to go back and build my country no 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 I, I still don't even have that mentality of I want to build my country <laughs> not like I you know but right. then that wasn't the mentality with which I came back um but I definitely felt I was just I, I don't know I, I think Nigerians are generally very like warm and open people so when I came back, it, I just like fit right in. I didn't need any special. There was no light bulb moment like, oh, this is it. It was just the general way I was feeling and just the happiness to be back and just the way people were receiving me. And that just kind of made me feel like, yeah, I made the right choice. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was the people. It was people that made you feel like this, this was home or this could be home again. Uh, essentially is what you're saying yes exactly it was the people yeah it was mainly the people for sure because i mean let's be real i mean hope you don't arrest me but i mean <laughs> like processes in nigeria are actually very frustrating there are lots of or things. non-existent yeah not i mean they are non-existent and okay i'll give one brief example okay for nyc i was in canada i was busy feeling form they were asking you your size for all the things they give you like your shirts your khakis, your boots, everything. You fill out all these things. I even check in to confirm whether the Canadian size, what the equivalent is in Nigeria, just to make sure that you get your size right. Only for you to get to camp and realize that that, that doesn't matter. They're going to give you whatever they're going to give you. If it's not your size, you have to go find somebody who's like, who, is, who has the same issue. And maybe the person has your size and you have the person's size. Then wow. you pull now switch. Like, just the ghetto of it all. I was just like, wow. So yeah, that was all the fun for. <laughs> Ooh, thank you so much for taking the time. Happy Independence Day. Happy Independence Day. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Um, okay. I mean, summer's over, so eh, but I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's getting, yeah. A little, getting a little chilly. It's fall it here in Toronto. It <laughs> is. It's, it's a bit <laughs> of an adjustment. Um, okay, so, you know, I know you know why we're here. I'm going to give everybody a little bit of background. Um, so the whole point of this episode is to uh, document our perspective or collective uh, perspective on Nigeria at 2021. Um, the idea is to kind of voice out how Nigeria makes you feel in particular ways, uh, especially for those who care about history, which I know you you, you are interested in. Um, like, like I said, I, I'm passionate about Nigeria kind of because, you know, raised, brought, born and raised, grew up with my grandparents, heard stories, you know, I was kind of exposed to like most, a lot of things or the reality of what was, what could be. The so hidden it truth. Yes. And so it's just frustrating because I'm just like, if only a lot of times, like if only, um, and I'm really hopeful though, that things will change. And like I said, I am excited that there is an awakening for our generation and those who are younger. And I really just hope we can take the country back. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Okay. Uh, so I guess the first thing I want to get into is really, you know, uh, how you feel about Nigeria. You know, now it's Independence Day. 
um, I think it's a question that we should all be asking ourselves, right? You mm-hmm. know, from what you've seen and you experience, uh, how do you feel about the people, the culture, the politics, right? All of that kind of comes into play, especially when you're thinking about, oh, this is our 61st Independence Day. Yeah. Um, so my first question to you, just in, in kind of in this bracket here would be, yeah. what makes Nigeria feel like home to you? You know, um, and, and I know you recently left. So, yeah. You know, for you, what, what, you know, I guess I would ask you, what did you feel like you were leaving? Like, what, what was the most prized thing you were leaving? I mean, apart from obviously your family, I'm sure, and your friends. Oh, I was going to go right. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Other than that, um, I think it was kind of the security in knowing that I was in a place where there was no question about who I was to some extent. And that can kind of be lost and you can find yourself maybe asking questions when you move out of a place you call home or a place where everyone else looks like you or kind of acts like you or you find things that you can easily relate with, right? Because, I mean, if I come out of my house in Lagos, um, I kind of know what to expect. If people do things, if I said things, if I yelled randomly, people kind of get that. If I did that in Toronto... I could maybe get like weird looks and things like that. So it's kind of just that sense of safety of knowing that this was a place that was mine, um, that I felt like I was definitely going to be like losing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And what do you hold on to now that you're here? Um, I think as much as I say that, there's also still the insanity of Nigeria. And I think I've always been kind of someone who craved order and, um, you know, I, 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 I'm big on like things making sense or, you know, having like a process or reason for why something's happening. And I think just knowing that I can have that sanity or moments of sanity here makes it bearable to kind of be away from home. And I also have some family here too, so that's helpful. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting perspective, especially yeah. kind of being able to. It's like, yeah, like when you think about home, I'm missing everything that comes with it. You know, yep. just that, yep. that chaos. And, you know, yeah. Knowing, yeah. Not, not knowing about lights, <laughs> not, not knowing <laughs> about security. Right. Like, there's a whole bunch of different things that you but, don't know. Yeah, yeah, but there's like this chaos where we found and we shouldn't be in that situation where we found like an answer or a solution or you kind of know what your next step is to kind of sort it out and ev- you know everyone is going through the almost the exact same thing with you right, right. um so it's probably that yeah. shared aspect of it too that, yeah yeah because we're think... all the yeah the, in nigeria is like i mean and obviously there's a lot of people doing very well and, and mm-hmm. awesome lives but yeah. there's definitely a we end this struggle together. Look and, together. You know, yeah. Like, probably not the finish. Like, exactly. All those guys, like, like, that's just what it is, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a, that's that's an interesting perspective. I mean, what, what do you enjoy most about Nigerian people, whether it's back home or here? You know, <sighs> I, I think that's always an interesting one. I mean, and I know this is a generic like statement, but it's like we're good vibes. Like as as um maybe traumatized as we should be (laughs) as um you know 
with everything we have to deal with or we've had to kind of go through and I know not everybody has had to like struggle to kind of get to the point where we are is we're generally just good vibes and I mean that in the sense of um we can be very good people we can be pretty kind to our neighbors we can be pretty helpful we're fun to be around we're funny we love a good laugh like we find joy in like the smallest things and I'm not even talking about the bad stuff now I'm saying even in like things that might seem trivial right um and and I think that cuts across in like anywhere we find ourselves so I'm I I'm and maybe just to give a little background I moved to Toronto six years ago just over six years so 2015 I grew up in Nigeria born and raised I was born in Lagos went to up to high school in Lagos went to Edo State for university I ended up leaving Edo State going to live in Kogi State for like four years before actually coming to Canada so I've like seen maybe I've lived in different places in Nigeria so and I've traveled to a couple of states like so I've had that I like to think I've had like a full Nigerian experience I've gotten to see people meet people and then even meeting people whether it's here in Canada or in the U.S. when I travel or any like in other countries and it's generally the same even when you like talk to people it's just like we're just good vibes and there are definitely negatives about us that's for sure but i think no one can deny that we are good vibes yeah 100 yeah. yeah. yeah i feel like that's been mentioned too uh in, in other conversations i've had okay. it's, it's been something that yeah you know instead of that so we, we kind of just yeah. show up like we, we like to have fun <laughs> yeah we um, do yeah so yeah. It's, it's a it's a beautiful thing honestly yeah uh, uh, it's it's interesting you know a different conversation can be had about the things that make us that way mm-hmm. but I think it's a, you know it's a beautiful thing that we should hold on to yeah for sure for sure for sure First, before we get into anything, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Because we haven't done that. All right, let's start. Uh, my name is uh, Tolulakwa Wusui. I am an environmental engineer by day. And at night, I am in talks to begin my PhD in social and ecological sustainability at the University of Waterloo. In my spare time, I like to write, read, play with my cats, and cook. Those are pretty much my four great passions. Right. Yeah. Is Nigeria up there somewhere or do, do the passions kind of just lead you to Nigeria and then lead you away? Like how, how do you, how do you type? Well, that? Nigeria is a passion of mine until you actually start thinking about it. Then it becomes your <laughs> deepest frustration. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I just, I just wanted to touch on that too. So yeah. So, uh, um, Tulu, uh, writes, uh, quite well. And, um, uh, previously wrote for us at Yawag Magazine, and we've had a lot of uh, interesting conversations about Nigeria, Nigeria's history, Nigeria's interrupted history, uh, everything in between, and not just really Nigeria, but West Africa as a whole. So I thought he would be a great person to have a conversation with when it came to this period. I mean, I know there might be some, I honestly just wanted to trigger him a little bit, 
that's pretty um, easy. Um, um, I know. I'm just, I'm just playing around, but I know that like he has a lot of strong opinions on Nigeria. We might not get to all of them today, but I wanted to get a feel for uh, how you feel on the Independence Day, you know, on the 61st Independence of Nigeria. So that's um, a little bit of a background as to why Tolu's here. Um, and let's take it away. Okay. I'm curious, you know, now as we as we think about the people, um, and we think about Nigeria as a whole. Um, if you're thinking looking forward, what do you what are characteristics of younger Nigerians have you particular has piqued your interest? You know, whether it's good, bad, ugly, what what has piqued your interest just with the younger, I would say Gen Z, um, you know, that we're seeing a lot in social media and you know, entertainment industry, even entrepreneurially as well. I'd say that um, there are good and bad sides to what I've seen so far. Um, on the good side, what I have seen is a willingness to ask questions that the previous generations would have deemed either disrespectful or really things that shouldn't be questioned. You know, my parents, our parents' generation, for example, religion was this thing that was really supposed to be this guide that you didn't necessarily pay attention to the inconsistencies of you know you just went to church you did what the pastor said and that was how you get in your life if you had any questions about god's doings you kept your mouth shut our generation is not like that right that in part could be because of the exposure to say other worldviews via social media and it could also just be you know a sense that a certain kind of life that we were expected to have if we went to school and got jobs is really not available to us, right? So you begin to question if you've done everything right and there are no results and you realize that really this shit is just random. It, it really puts a lot of questions in you. And I find that our generation at least is willing to, you know, face those questions head on mm. in ways that the older generations might find rather uncomfortable. Right. But I find really refreshing. Um, what, do you th- what do you think about the younger generation? The one after us? Yeah. Oh, they're crazy. <laughs> oh. They, yeah. Those, those questions you're asking, they don't give a shit about them. They don't give a shit. They 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 will do what they need to do. They. <laughs> I, they'll, I, find, they'll find something on Google somewhere and somewhere. they'll figure it out. They'll like, figure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, they're not trying to hear from us, though. That's that's a fact. That's yeah, true. yeah. I mean. <sighs> I mean, it doesn't really help that our generation really followed our parents' sort of footsteps of, you know, go to school, ask no questions. If you're smart, study engineering and get a job until it wasn't working. And then we began to ask questions. But, you know, they come into a world and by the time you're 13, every time you turn on the news, some guy's talking about climate change and how Lagos might be underwater by 2050 and your dad is telling you get a job. And you're thinking, dude, I'd probably be dead by 2050. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, I think yeah, yeah, I think it took us more time to kind of be like, whoa, wait, 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 let's wait, ask questions. Yeah, here. Exactly. I, I mean, personally, I thought I've been asking questions for a while, but I was just like, you know what, I need money, and if this is the way, like, that's great. But I feel like with the younger generation, um, the new system or the new paradigms are literally being set up in front of them. So yeah. it's beyond just saying, hey, it's not. It's beyond saying, hey, um, you know, this works. So this is how things have been working. They're seeing what was working before failing. Yeah. Because we saw it failing. We saw it working and we saw it failing. Yeah, exactly. Right. I feel like they saw it failing and they're like, 
yeah, I'm I'm not like I'm not doing that. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We and they're, and they're looking at us like, yeah, yeah, no, like you know, we're trying to like tell them, yeah, you know, this is what works, and they're like, uh, no, it's kind of obvious that this doesn't work, so I'm not doing it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I would say that we were the last uh, generation to have some kind of affective attachment to a sense of a good life in a typical, in a stereotypical way. Like mm. for us, it was you went to work. Our parents taught us this this thing of you went to work, you went to school, sorry, you got a job, and you made enough money. And when you made enough money, you married, right? That, those are the values we grew up with. Right. And we pretty much ran with that until we got to university. And it was like, yeah, but there are no jobs, right? Or, yeah, like this is not going to work. I'm just going to be as miserable as the guy who taught me this. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't necessarily have the, um, because we we came up we we came of age at a time when social media was just beginning to flourish so we were just beginning to learn the languages that different cultures used to sort of express their deepest um, apprehensions about the world and yeah i think that's why for us we, it seems like even though we've been thinking of these questions as pretty much every single generation in history has been we just stuck with the accepted answers until we realized that there was an entire world out there where the answers were different. Right. And you all of a sudden felt cheated. And it's like, yo, these people have been scamming me for the last 15, 20 years, right? And now I have to learn all this stuff. And yeah. What the online it's just they don't care. They grew up on this. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a honestly, it's a beautiful thing. Shukuri, thank you for joining me today, man. And uh, happy Independence Day. Yeah, bro. Same to you. Happy Independence Day. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I know we're a little bit ahead, but they'll be listening to this on Independence Day. So let's go ahead and wish everyone yeah. a happy independence. Um, yeah. All right. So for those who don't know, Chukuri has been on this episode, um, podcast before. He was in a past episode where we were essentially um, exploring what when Nigeria became conscious of, of itself as a nation and uh, and i guess uh, 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 not just a culture but a region as well um but um for those who don't know chukudi is a writer designer and creative strategist with a keen interest in nigerian history um he actively writes for the republic um dot com um in nigeria a really reputable art um sorry um i guess magazine that covers politics culture economics and everything in between essentially um, and similar to one of my other guests, uh, uh, Maribel, she, uh, I guess, similarly, you know, you guys both work at the Republic and I really love what the work that is being done out there. So I'm happy that you guys are, you know, taking the time to join me, especially you. Um, you're also a pioneer candidate of the inaugural cohort of the School of Politics, Policy and Governance. That was interesting to me. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that before we start? Yeah, thanks again, um, sorry for having me on. Um, yeah, so I'll dive right in. Uh, yeah, I'm a New York candidate of the uh, SPPG. Um, it's pretty much a um, it's pretty much a, a school started by uh, you know um, Madame Obi as a former Minister of Education and uh, uh, um, 
yeah, presidential candidate, uh, um, the convener of the Bring Back Our Laws movements, the fixed politics yeah. movements, red card movements, yeah. and so on and so forth. And what she's really trying to do with this school is, uh, is um, you know, without sounding sounding cliche, um, raise uh, you know a an intelligent, um, conscious, um, politically savvy um, generation of uh, mm. of Nigerians. Um, she's going to try to improve the quality of not just quality of voters that we have, but also the quality of people who are interested in politics generally who can engender debates, who can push conversations mm. forward, who are, you know, um, doing interesting things in their own individual mm. spheres and who are just generally interested in politics, whether it's um, from a, from a, uh, you know, a view to run for office in the future or just a view to, um, you know, what I do, for instance, which is like a political journalism right. and so on, to keep people informed, to keep uh, the voting public informed mm. and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I've been part of that program since uh, January, and we'll be um, rounding off uh, sometime at the end of the year. So it's been super interesting so far. We've gone to meet and speak with a lot of interesting Nigerians, a lot of interesting foreigners as well. Um, our faculty is very diverse. We've gone to speak to people like uh, um, um, General uh, Abdul Salam Abubakar, um, you know, uh, Frank Omega Jr., former minister of Nigeria, I think one of the youngest ministers in the Fourth Republic was minister at the age of 33 or 34, you know, uh, you know, Madam Aisha Yusufu and so on and so forth. So it's really interesting. The faculty is really rich and diverse and I've, I've learned so much. Um, yeah, so I'm really grateful that's, for that. That's really awesome, man. Congratulations. That's, that's, that's a huge, that's a big deal. Thanks. I'm really happy to hear that um, things like this are going on in Nigeria. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah. maybe next time I talk to you, we can get a little bit more into what you see um, from the program and and you know maybe how people can oh, you know get in or get involved or something it's really really cool oh definitely, definitely. awesome okay so what about the younger generation right i don't know if you mm. fall into gen z or if you're still kind of mm. you know a millennial but what mm. do you see with the younger generation like um like you know that maybe attracts you excites you about 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 the future for for nigerians mm. right Ah oh, man, I think in terms of uh, in terms of generations, I think uh, what I'm just most excited about is is technology and how we how we use and have used technology to do stuff for ourselves. Uh -huh. um, technology has the ability to cut out a lot of the things that uh, that tend to compromise people, you know. So I'm actually writing an essay about 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 that something you know similar to that mm. and um, you know this is pretty much about how uh how the recent uh, antagonistic policies towards technology you know towards twitter towards crypto you know and so on and so forth by the nigerian government is actually as a response uh to what they consider a threat you know so nigeria works currently works in such a way that um most people who are extremely wealthy are wealthy by virtue of the uh um, the political patronage system, right? So the people who are extremely wealthy are either government contractors or and government themselves, or right. they're private contractors, but they have government contracts, you know, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, however, what tech has helped us to do is to cut that out. So people are independent millionaires. People, you know, the founders of Flutterway, for instance, you know, raised, um, you know, I think 200 million plus um, 
you know, and so on and so forth. Different tech companies are, are right. raising money, right? So I think that's what most excites me because when you're able to make money independently of the political system, of the toxic political system, you mm-hmm. can, um, your voice is not sold. You know, you can have a voice, you can speak out, you can empower other people to speak out, you know, um, because no one is going to come and, uh, and shut you down. And you feel like yeah, the younger generation is is fully aware of this and taking full advantage. Uh, I don't know if we're fully aware. I still don't think that we're taking full advantage. But um, just from what I saw from Ensals, I think I think that awakening is is starting, mm. and it's it's stuttering a little bit because I think people are obviously uh, are obviously shaken by what happened, how Ensals ended. Um, but I don't even think that is. Uh, I think that I don't think that's the end of that matter. I think people who are, who are um, going abroad are still going to be very important in the coming political uh, um, struggle, yeah. if I can put it that way, you know, in terms of funding, in terms of, you know, awareness, in terms of international exposure and so mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. you know, so I think both sides are very important. So that's what I'm most, uh, that's actually what I'm most excited about, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's what I'm most excited about. Now, speaking of the older generation, um, what characteristics of that generation do you feel needs to go away or are you hoping mm. is gone by 2030? Mm. Man, um, I mean, I think I should maybe start by saying uh, uh, in terms of the older generation, I think sometimes we don't give them their props. I mean, just like every generation, there are, there are stand-up guys and there are cowards and there are you know, brave people and their people compromise and so on and so forth. Um, but I think they they fought a lot yeah, in terms of democracy, uh, in terms of uh, human rights. I mean, you have names that you can mention, you know, from that generation who um, who did what they had to do, um, stood up to the powers that be as it were. I think sometimes the reason why we say, why we deny them that is because we don't know enough about our history. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think a lot of them, um, they did what they did, they did what they had to do. And if there's any fear, it's a fear that comes from losing loved ones or losing people that are close to them in that you know negative political atmosphere. And that's why they're a bit more protective now. But with that being said, I think um, something that has to change generally is what I still spoke about, is that culture of, not, not, I won't say the culture of respect, but the culture of respect that is not earned. You know, um, and I'll give you an example. Someone is um, is corrupt, is a thief. You know, everyone knows it. Everyone talks about it. But when the person comes out in public, um, we all have collective amnesia. You know, the person gets the best seats in public spaces and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I think that social aspect is a very, is a very important aspect of things. I think when there's no when there's no shame for doing the wrong thing, um, people just carry on with impunity, right? Yeah. But when when there's that irreverence, when you know that people are going to people are not going to deny what it is that you're doing, um, doing wrong, I think that's that that can be a very that can there's an element of self-corruption there. Yeah. There's an element of you know social social justice, if you like, 
Yeah. You know, I don't think that I don't think that exists now in the in the political sphere as we as we know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent, and that's the tricky thing because like it's not their fault. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I hundred percent agree with you that we definitely are a little bit harsher with um younger mm-hmm. generation than we should yeah. be. I'm, I'm definitely very guilty of it. Um, part of me feels like and just to get to my issue with the older generation is that they want all the respect without yeah. the responsibility, accountability, Absolutely. or yeah. anything. That to me yeah. is what's frustrating, you know, because yeah. like what you yeah. say, or where you know, NSARS um, happens and we are looking at a situation where they're saying, well, the youth should do this, the youth should do that. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. irks my soul because yeah. um, you, you're you going to come at the next event or the next conference, you're going to talk about how much experience you have, how yeah. active you are, how much, you know, you know, like how you know everything, right? Yeah. And then now, yeah. people are, like people that are protesting are not responsible for providing a solution. Like, yeah. matter of fact, they did tell you, they give you a five-point plan, but nobody yeah. acknowledged, really acknowledged that. But yeah. that being said, the people that are protesting are not the people that are responsible for the solutions. They are protesting yeah. so that people in charge come up with solutions. Um, so, absolutely. for me, it really pisses me off when, like, it's like, oh, it's 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 the protesters' fault that the answers was not a resounding success. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm just looking yeah. like, how how does that even how does how how does somebody make sense make, make, make yeah. sense of that you know and how do you sit so comfortably when you're seeing like you know anywhere from 19 to 35 year olds shouting complaining yeah. you know stomping yeah. and you're and, and somewhere in your mind you've decided that these people don't know what they're looking for or yeah. or or you even admit or you decide that it's a hoax or whatever the case may yeah. be so yeah. to me i think like it's hard to listen and respect when people are saying these things when you've not seen them put themselves on the line and, and put in yeah. the work, you know, yeah. and, you yeah. know, to me it was very evident, like you're saying that there's a, there's quite a few names, but unfortunately, and this is why I understand where they're coming from. A lot of the names that we know have died and were probably yeah. killed by these brutal regimes, you know, yeah. and um, everybody else kind of just cowered, right. For lack of a better yeah. word, like, and, and it's not yeah. saying, this is not saying like, Oh, they should have, should have stood up and sacrificed their life and their family's lives. But, um, I mean, we have to be able to stand and say the reason why this happens the way it is is because, you know, Nigerians have seen that the, the people yeah. that come out and stand and fight for their rights get killed with impunity. Yeah. And yeah. the people who they're fighting for don't show up for them, <laughs> you exactly. know. So if exactly. you're the person who wants to go and do that, you're looking at the math and you're trying to make sense of it. It just it doesn't okay. add up, you know. So yeah. to me, like you, you, you have to take on that responsibility. And when you do do that, like the kids are going to understand and follow you and respect you. Absolutely. You know? So Absolutely. anyway, that's my, <laughs> my two cents, um, on, on that piece. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of covers how we feel right mm-hmm. about, um, mm-hmm. that covers how we feel about, um, the country uh, for the most part. Let's jump into Nigeria's future. You know, hmm. um, you know, I think there's a there's so many different perspectives on where Nigeria is going. Yeah. Um, and you know, 
I don't expect us to have the answers, but yeah. um, in, in this segment, I'm really trying to understand where we go from here or where you see us going or hope we go, right? So there's no, you don't, you're not supposed to have the answers, but yeah. just based on everything you've seen, everything yeah. you've read, the yeah. conversations you've had with your, you know, your family and, you know, people that, that kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Um, what about Nigeria's future excites you? Like, I hmm. excites you the most. Um, excites me the most. Um, maybe the young people right now. So I would say, yeah, maybe anyone under 40 who's very realistic about kind of the situation of things. Um, and at this time, especially knowing what happened about a year ago with the whole NSARS movement and everything, just knowing that there's that awakening or enlightenment that's kind of happening because the conversations are still happening might not be as vocal as they were last October but just knowing that we're very realistic about the crap that is Nigeria right now excuse my language um I think that for me excites me and I think that might be maybe the only thing right now um yeah I would say that 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 would be it yeah um, okay, well, then let's switch it up. What, what about Nigeria's future scares you? I'm sure there isn't a shortage of <laughs> things that, that will scare you, but um, maybe what jumps out to you? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. again, I think we're looking at this span for the next 10 years as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things scare me. I think the thing that scares me the most is that I think we're still trapped in a militarized democracy. Um, I think yeah. we still. Is, 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 is very well, and I think it permeates every level of society, not just government. Um, it Absolutely. permeates private, private industry, it permeates, you know, there's a way to get things done in Nigeria, and that's still the quote-unquote the military way, mm-hmm. the shouting way, the raising your voice way, the being a, being a brute almost, you know, to, than, you know, than the, than the gentlemanly way, you know, than the waiting your turn, following due process, you know, and so on and so forth. If you can, if you can be bullish about stuff, you can get stuff done in Nigeria. Yeah. And I think that that, that has to change. Right. You know, so that's what scares me. I, we, I, I we, respect, that. Uh, we respect oppression. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's the perfect way to, to express it. We respect oppression. And it's, but it's, it's, really, it's really dangerous, you know, because I see it even in, uh, even in the sort of conversations that are coming up around 2023. You know, I was having a conversation with, uh, some of my secondary school uh, classmates and you know some names were popping up and some people were saying oh yeah this guy I don't want to you know mention mention names but oh this fellow you know yeah though he has a track record of uh, <laughs> of of brutality you know of genocide you know within the within the the place that he governs oh but you know if you look at what he's doing in this other sector you know this kind of person Nigeria needs now I don't think Nigeria needs another Another dictator in plain clothes. Right. I think what Nigerian is now is someone who is committed to the democratic process, committed to obeying the rule of law, committed to obeying you know court orders and so on and so forth. I think that's the only way democracy is going to move forward. Yeah. Um, because if there's no justice, you know, there's no going to be peace. You know what we currently have is is a case where the highest the highest law the highest uh, uh, the highest court in the land is not even being obeyed. Right. you know, by the, by the powers that be. Right. So I think that's a very dangerous precedent to set. And I think 
Um, that's what kind of scares me the most. Uh, we need to sort of realize that we're a democracy and act like act like that. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 weird. Um, it, it'd be interesting. Um, I want you to. I'm not gonna say anything to you, but I, I you know, whenever you do, the podcast comes out. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see what other people have said because I've heard a complete different um thing. But you know, for me, that, that the, one of that is one of the major fears. Um, mm-hmm. is that um, I think people underestimate how easy it is to for a democratic process to fail. You know, yeah. and um, yeah. when what we've seen recently with Trump was a was a was like a master class on how mm. to disintegrate um democratic mm. norms and ideals so yeah. for me and that's the us that has essentially built the institution and its reputation right yeah. um around mm. the world so for me that happens much easier in nigeria right so mm. even one of the things you're saying like you know i hope we we have you know really good candidates that come up and i hope that's a thing of the norm but that has to be a thing of the norm at like all the lower, like it has to really, really be a grassroots thing. It can't be yeah. just one guy that they can just chop his head off. You know, they yeah. need to know that yeah. every single pool of this candidate is going to be like this and it's going to only get better so that yeah. they, they don't have yeah. a head to chop off. When they have yeah. a one head to chop off, that's exactly what they have always done. That's what they do. Exactly. You know, so exactly. to me, um, I, I'm really concerned about that. I'm, I'm concerned about, Buhari not necessarily wanting to leave um, um, when mm-hmm. he's done. I'm mm-hmm. concerned that, you know, he understood what it took to take him out mm-hmm. the last time because mm-hmm. Babangida took him out, um, took him out, right? Like it was a yeah. bloodless coup. I think it was bloodless, yeah. but at least he wasn't yeah. killed. Him and Zisondi, the other one. sorry. Um, to the, the, like he, like they weren't killed, right? So, so for me, my concern is that if he looks but he understands the people he needs the alliances from to stay in power mm-hmm. if he chooses to mm-hmm. do that i don't mm-hmm. get the impression that um there's somebody else he's uh, endorsing to take over mm-hmm. until i mm-hmm. see that i'm not convinced that he wants to leave right and mm-hmm. we have what about less than a year to yeah. the elections yeah so um it'll be interesting yeah. to see see how that goes but until I see that, I'm not convinced that he wants to leave. Yeah, and, wants to go, yeah. and to me, that is the biggest threat to Nigeria because, mm-hmm. you know, people, they think people are leaving now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I hear you. I hear mm-hmm. you. Talk to me. I think, I think, I think it's, also, it's also a concern. Um, it's also a concern to me, you know, um, on a personal note, like, because you know, one of the things I think I was mentioning this in the last uh, com- conversation that we had mm-hmm. was that apart from just uh, looking at someone, um, I mean, I don't have, I'm not at all versed in in psychoanalytics or anything like that. But I do like to look at what someone is likely to do based on what they've done in the past, based right. on their thought process. Right. And I think I do think left to him, he would he would easily dig his feet in and say he's not going anywhere. Right. Um, but then when Nigeria is structured um, in terms of power, mm-hmm. I think he has enough uh, he has enough people who are looking to take over after him that are not going to let him stay in power that long. Um, I don't think he's a I don't think he's a good strategist. I think um, Obasanjo is a much better you know political strategist than he is. Mm-hmm. And I think Obasanjo tried the whole third third term thing and it didn't work out for him. Right. You know, despite the fact that he's much more politically savvy 
Buhari ran for 12 years. He didn't win until Tinubu and the rest came on came on his side. Right. And I think uh, the likes of Tinubu have their sights set on 2023 right. as well. Right. So if that's the only saving grace that we have, I think that's going to be enough to dislodge him. I don't think he's going to be able to right. circumvent all those uh, things to, right. to I think stay beyond. Tinubu definitely, definitely uh, reduced my anxiety. Seeing yeah. him run, I mean, which yeah. which is a terrible thing to say because it's a terrible it's thing because he's not, he's not <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but yeah. definitely reduce my anxiety at the likelihood of him trying to because, I you yeah, know, I think yeah. he's a lot more brutal than he implies, and I think he's done a decent job of hiding yeah. it. We only got a peak yeah. in NSARS to me yes. personally because yes. that was yes. an attack. My personal opinion definitely. that was coordinated. It wasn't an accident. It was strategic. You know, mm-hmm. like they, they mm-hmm. kind of understood exactly what they were doing. So to me, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like once that happened, I don't like in when it comes to violence, I'm not sure what I can put past them because that was yeah. that was essentially in broad daylight. That's another yeah. thing I noticed, like um I heard this in the spaces conversation recently. Um um I think it was the Japa one, um, mm-hmm. um that happened essentially this week. And mm-hmm. my thing is like they keep talking about the fact that Oh, what happened with NSARS or with Adeleki Togate happens all over the country. This is absolutely accurate. There have been so many more deaths all over the country. The difference is that those are not in, it's not in broad daylight. The whole world is not watching it. There's no, you know, the people that, the people that are getting killed, unfortunately, barely have cell phones. You understand what I'm saying? So these are people that do not necessarily have the means to uh, distribute or show what's going on. So well, it's yeah. happening, you know, it's happening, I guess, in in, 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 the, in darkness. Yeah, in the darkness, yeah. for lack of a better word. It's a yeah. very different when people have been protesting all around the country, especially at this core location for the past few weeks. And yeah. now we have international media. We have, you know, social media capturing and yeah. recording all of this. And then you yeah. still proceed to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, CNN does an investigation on it, confirms that this really did happen and nothing happens. Like to me, those are that, that's very, very different. Like we're not saying that yeah. nobody cares about what's going on all over the country in, in um, Zamfara, all the, all the northern states are almost at this point. Like we're not yeah. talking about that. We're, we're saying that for you to do this in broad daylight is a different kind of uh, um, goal. Of and, and yeah, yeah. And, and, and we have to yeah. acknowledge this as, as such, you know. So, yeah. you know, that was yeah. uh, a little shot side spill there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. um, no, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, mm-hmm. people have also spoken about the fact that this happened in, you know, what is essentially a, a, you know, a, bit, a business district, um, you know, where sort of middle class, upper middle class, you know, people live. And right. again, this doesn't mean that any Nigerian's life is more or less important right. than another's life. It just means that, um, like you like you rightly said, the exposure that comes with that, right? The exposure that they're willing to put themselves, uh, they're willing to risk having, in in you know committing that uh, that massacre, right? It tells you the lengths that they're willing to go. Absolutely. You know? So I think it's 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 very worth it's very much worth acknowledging that that was it. Right. A different level of, of impunity, yeah. Right. And and just one last thing to that before we go. Like, you're absolutely right that, yeah, it was middle and upper middle class for sure. But um, let's not lose the fact that very much so all different um, um, castes of, yeah. of Nigerian society were actively there, especially the youth. Absolutely. So it wasn't absolutely. like, you know, there are a lot of people there like 
that were there going for free food that day. There, those are not people yes. who would we would consider middle class. And also, yes. the lives that ended up getting lost, people that stayed there beyond when a lot of people with privilege were informed through yeah. their connections that hey, this yes. might not be the best day. A lot of people day, with yeah. middle class and upper middle class left. You know, there is there are a lot of yeah. people who were actively killed that were yeah. in that range then because they all yeah. were able to opportunity to be able to leave. A lot of people that ended yeah. up getting killed and massacred were people of little to no means. That's why yes. we don't know, you know, we don't know exactly how many people got killed. You know, and like yeah. we don't have any powerful families, uh, at least that, that I've heard, ringing mm -hmm. the alarm because, you know, they can leverage their connections to call out this as a problem. You know, Absolutely. so I think it's Absolutely. important to 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 remember that like that, like, you know, there, there are poor people in Lagos too. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm tired of mm -hmm. hearing that this idea that, oh, you know, it's just because oh, it was uh, the, the issue that the, you know, upper middle class and middle class, you know, mm -hmm. we remember mm -hmm. that the issue that was being pointed out was something that, again, everybody in Nigeria at all level feels. It's not yeah. just, you know, it's not just one class. So, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I feel like it's important to mention that because Absolutely. sometimes people Absolutely. always reduce it to make it seem like the only reason why you care about it is because it wasn't Becky or something. And yeah. I think, yeah. I think there's yeah. more to that story. Yeah. What scares you the most? Just pick one. That things <laughs> are gonna get worse before it gets better. That we haven't seen the worst of it yet. Talk a little bit more about that. Okay, so um, October 2020. <laughs> let's go we, there. Yes, let's go there. Um, you know, you hear about things. And I remember when the protests were happening, I, I, I came out a couple of times here in Toronto. You know, I was on social media, like posting as much as I could, you know, um, sent money back to people who needed, like, you know, for stuff. And my sister, so I have one sister who, who actually lives in Lagos. And, you know, she went out on protest grounds. I remember my mom just constantly, like, calling to be like, look, we've been there. These people don't care. And that was always what she used to say. And I'm like, yeah, but we can't just stay home. So seeing the reality of how far the government went, right, opening fire on citizens who are unarmed. It just tells me that if this is what they could do in broad daylight and all the things that have happened after with the Twitter ban, with all the rules with CBN and things like that. And I'm not a history buff or anything. I'm not a political pundit or whatever you call that. <laughs> but the minute you control how people communicate, you control people's money, you control how loudly they can speak. It's like, what's next? Like, what could possibly be coming next? Can be anything good, right? right. And there, I mean, last year, there were a lot of conversations, you know, about, you know, the next elections, people have to come out. When I lived in Kogi State, there were actually elections at the time. And I was a core member the first year. So they use core members for the electoral process. Right. And the things my mom insisted, I did not participate. And I was like, 
this woman again but she was like no way so anyways I was being stubborn initially and then that day I was just like you know what I'm not going and my roommates and the people I lived with they came back and the stories they had to tell about what happens during our electoral process you know it's easy to have these conversations on social media and you're very far removed from the reality of things right it's scary okay um you want pick, details pick my, pick my, <laughs> I gotta, okay I this. so i had one my my roommate specifically so we shared like a room but there was like a whole like apartment with different rooms. So we all lived together and a bunch of them did the electoral process. And by participating, essentially they would collect ballots and like, you know, monitor all of that and then help out with the count. And she was posted to this really remote local government area. One of those places that you can't, you can't drive in with a car. You have to go on like a bike or something into this village. Are you serious? Yes. So that was the first issue. So she was like, she gets there and on arrival, no, before leaving on the bike, she finds out she's going by herself. And she's like, no, there's supposed to be two or three people conducting the elections in this local government area. And they're like, the person is coming. So she ends up riding the bike solo with like electoral like materials on a bike by herself. She gets there and on arrival so this is like normal like where a youth service yes or like member like essentially we'll just hop on a bike with the actual votes that we're going to be like people were supposed to yes yes (laughs) no it's fine so she gets on the bike she arrives at this village and she notices they send her to i guess it was like a school or something and she sees there are a lot of people outside but she notices there are also a lot of kids now, of course, you're supposed to be 18 plus to be able to vote, right? right? No. So anyways, she arrives and she's like, they had food and a drink waiting for her. And they're like, they want to take the stuff from her. And she's like, no, I, she can't hand it over that. She's supposed to hand it over to specifically the rep, rep from INEC, right? That's the electoral commission. And they're like, no, 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 that don't worry that they know what to do. So she's confused, but she's scared, right? Because she's by herself in this remote village, doesn't know what's going on. Anyway, somebody else shows up and says whether they're the local government chairman or something, um, tells her that she just needs to release the electoral materials to to them. So they take it from her. Of course, she hands it over because she's by herself. And then they bring the kids out and the kids start using thumbprints on the ballot papers. And that's how votes were made for that local government area. And that is one example in Nigeria. So for me, when the conversations were happening last year, you know, people were talking about, yeah, you know, we need to get our PVC. I'm like, look, yes, that's fine. But the people who are actually making the difference are not people on Instagram. They're not people on Twitter. So you need such a massive push of grassroots education. And even then it's like, why would they listen to me? I'm some girl from Canada who doesn't speak like them. I might be able to switch to pigeon sometimes, but they know the difference. But then they're hearing from maybe the son of the lady who used to sell fruit down the road, who is now some big person in politics, who's come back home, 
who needs their help. That's who they're going to listen to. That's who they trust. So until you get to that point where we have enough people like that who are recognizable by not just the people who are, you know, well-educated, you know, who travel, well-traveled, things like that, you're not going to make a dent. And these people know that. And by these people, I mean the politicians who we keep recycling every year. So a lot of the time, our conversations get lost in a vacuum because we're starting from the end or the middle as opposed to like really digging to see what is at the source. How do these things happen? How are these people successful? Because another thing is, and one very valid question is um, that came up also during the NSARS protest is the conversation people were having with like policemen or soldiers who are protecting a lot of these politicians. It's like, you're not even getting paid 0.01% of what this person's earning. He's stealing from you, but you're risking your life to protect him. Why? Do you understand? What does that, does that even mean anything to you? But it makes sense to me. It it totally makes sense because with Nigeria, it's, it's, um, you know, and I like take my, 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 I guess my opinion with the green. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't lived in Nigeria for a while. Yeah. Like, but what's room for more people that are there have been saying? It's, yeah. It's no better. Like, you, yeah. You're okay. It sounds good on, on Instagram or Twitter. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, you know, yeah. this guy's dropping your money, but you also know that this guy can have you killed. You also yep. know that if you decide to go and cause problem, yep. this guy that you're working There's for, an issue. is going to make sure you, one yeah. of your brothers that you've been working with together for the five yeah. years, last past five years to protect yeah. him, is yeah. going to go and kill you because yeah. he's going to get another 200,000 naira for his family. Yep, yep. Um, so to yep. me, that ultimately becomes it. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, what are your principles? But then how can I feed myself? Exactly, so, exactly. And, and, and to your point, I do think that the politicians fully understand this. So they oh, understand yeah. that. They do. You, the most effective way to pacify it is just to give you food today. I yes. don't think it's like an ed- the education thing is important, but like it's survival. It's not the most, yeah. It's survival. Like like yeah. if, 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 if I have to think twice about what I'm going to put on the food, yeah. it's like yeah. I, will, I will sacrifice my dignity, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And like, I agree. That's, and that's ultimately what they're doing. So if there isn't a better option, I, I yeah. don't know if... What else, right? But... My thing is, then what is the solution? My second thing where I have an issue, I'm sorry to cut you off just now, is I, there are different there. So the cycle of oppression is filled by different things. So one thing is definitely what we just talked about. But I find that in Nigeria, a second big one is religion. I'm a Christian. But yeah. Religion has people in shackles and strongholds that sometimes people speak and I'm just like, huh? Like, what are you talking about? And a lot of... Uh, nodding, the, I'm nodding uh, profusely. Yes, in yes you are. <laughs> I know. A lot of the oppressors also depend on that. They know, you know, you, faith teachings, hope teachings, um this whole and people think submission only the the 
um, principle of submission only lies in the whole husband wife dynamics no it also lies even in like interactions in office how you have like organizations where people can say first name because it's disrespectful you know we know when to bring in culture then we know when to bring in humility and it's just a mashup it's a whole mess so that is definitely something else that oppressors rely on definitely and in Nigeria especially religion is holding us back big time yeah I mean I, I cannot disagree with you at all I me personally yeah. let me try and give an out here yeah. I think that a lot of people yeah like yeah this religion is very used to do a lot of good things and very yeah. humane and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah for real like for sure with education like yeah for the Catholic and American churches to some yeah yeah but it's effectively pacifying the whole population. That's it that's is. what it that's what it's that is most effective tool in Nigeria. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not. Yep. It's not to make people better people. It's not like it's to make people God fearing people so that <laughs> they don't challenge the things that you're doing or the exactly. that you're doing of for them. Sorry, exactly. that's a very unpopular opinion. That's why yeah. I to hold my, my perspective. But you're you're people. not wrong. It's 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 bad because for me, like there's a lot of conversations that you have with. Especially older generation Nigerians, I would say. Yeah. That, that there is an active solution like on ground. Like there is something you can do. <laughs> yes. But the next step is uh is God though. It's yes. like it, and it's just like, are we going to try to like like God helps those who help themselves? Right? Yes. Like that's he, also a thing, right? Like, yep, it is. You know, how are we not how are we not trying to do something? How are we just Putting our hands up in the air and just you know, leaving as it. long as we play our type to this, yeah, we're near pastor. Um, sure, you know that no. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to speak on Islam because I'm not Muslim, but yeah. I think we can understand where the challenges might occur there. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And I think maybe my third point, and this one, I'm, I like it's a very personal thing for me. So I'm from Delta States, Amishekiri specifically. I'm from what is called one of the minority tribes. And that annoys me. And I think um, our lack of acknowledgement of anything other than what I call the big three, so Yoruba, Ibu, Hausa, right. has also kind of slowed us down and made us very limited in our thinking because our approach to things we're always approaching it like oh what is and when you're thinking the north you're only thinking houses when you're thinking the west or whatever so you're thinking when you're when you're thinking the east and i'm like there's more to us than these three who else are you bringing to the table for the to like for conversations right um and even that lack of acknowledgement of how diverse we are is definitely another thing that's holding us back. Like, you know, we're still having conversations in 2021 about Northern leaders are saying they will not um, give up power to the West. And I'm like, excuse me, this should not even be a thing. Like, why are we talking about this? Right. No, I, I mean, now when I, I just, um, I expect <laughs> it to be a thing unfortunately like i i don't i don't like i i i think i think uh the scars from the older years yeah will take forever to go i think you need a new generation of people who don't feel those scars in the same way to yeah move the conversation forward yeah um now there there are some real scars that do need to be healed and acknowledged in a real way 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm talking about Biafra here. You know, mm, but, yeah. But yeah. um, but but certain conversations need to go forward without. But that, yeah. but you see, this is even another thing. Everyone talks about Biafra, right? And it is such an important conversation. But in the because I was in, let me think back. I think it was around 1998-99. There was a whole genocide of Ishekiri people in Delta State, and Talk no one that. talks about it. Talk about that. Right. So just, just, yeah, briefly, obviously Delta State oil, yeah, oil rich, right. you know, there there have been conversations about who owns which land and whatnot. Right. And there was a whole out um I guess I, I don't want to call it a war, but takeover by another tribe, and I'm not gonna go there over Shekiri land and Shekiri people. And yeah, it was so bad that people were killing their Shekiri partners. Like if you were married to someone from there. And so Biafra is important, but what makes any other genocide less important? And these are the things. There's a lack of acknowledgement of all the truths that exist, right? Um, We kind of, toss the Fulani herdsmen thing under or Fulani herdsmen thing like killings but it's like who is it affecting really it's the middle belt right? right for the most part these are people with their own unique identities it's not just we don't know how to fully tell our stories we don't know how to fully acknowledge our truth and it's a huge problem so it's like yeah yeah so you know I mean I'm not saying it's supposed to have an answer right but just you know, as you, I guess, as you search through yourself, what do you hope comes out of all of this? Um, I think um, what I would like to see, or what I would hope to see, is what Karen Bray calls grave attending. Okay, being, please uh, elaborate. Yeah, so it's the state of being in being comfortable with discomfort or being able to sit down in the sort of discontent that you have with a society and trying to make sense of the world in that society. And out of that project, if I'm being optimistic, I would like to see the idea of a national consensus on what it means to be a Nigerian come out. Um, I, I think personally that for the most part, part of the, Many of Nigeria's problems are, you know, corruption and all that, and um, race and sex, all of that, sexism, and you know, all that stuff. Right. But I think a fundamental problem is the lack of a central identity of Nigerianness. Hmm. I think that's really big. When that's really important, when you have a country of two hundred and fifty tribes that are essentially raising their kids and inculcating completely different cultural systems or value systems in their kids. And they expect them to function together. You know, it's like, yeah, they'll figure out ways to make things work. But when they think of Nigerians, what they're really thinking of is other members of their tribes first, right? right. Or other members of their religion first. Right. And so I'm hoping that out of this comes the, an idea of what like in Nigerian is regardless of tribe, religion, identity, that that very um, infrastructure that can help in the sort of nation building that we have for the last 61 years neglected to do. 
Yeah, wow. and I think that we are well on our way. I, I look at more established nations, quote unquote, that's for the established, like, mm. you know, most of the nations in the West, and I think they all went through that phase where, as people, they deliberately had to ask themselves, okay, what is it that we're fighting for? What is it that we're trying to build here? America went through that with its civil war. Canada went through that with its war of confederation and you know so on and so forth the british pretty much go through that once every hundred years right yeah yeah they definitely did after i don't know when would it be maybe like the industrial revolution or something. revolution yeah that exactly most likely. And then, they had the world wars and they had the civil conversation as to what, what it meant to be british and now they're having to do it again with brexit and you know, so many reasons why you know nigeria isn't doing as well as it could be we are you know we have a lot of natural resources we have a lot yes, of talented yes. people we have a huge population yeah. um but nobody can really seem to understand where the root of the problem is you know so mm. um for me uh i want to kind of get your perspective on you know what do you think the best qualities are for the country and i'll start with the leader so the next leader of nigeria what do you think the most important quality for him to do a great job or lead Nigeria in the right direction would be? Maybe two things. Um, okay. You have to be um, a vision. Uh, okay, maybe I can lump it all together. And I will say this. Okay. An open-minded vision builder. Because for the most part, a lot of our leaders, a lot of our laws are very close-minded, backwards, Um you have some laws based on religion. You have some laws just based on pure vibes or what the person is feeling at the time. And for me, it's like we kind of have to move past that closed-minded approach to things. So an open-minded vision builder. And if you're open-minded, it means that you will welcome ideas from other people, even if they're not people you agree with. Um, and that you have a clear vision of what the country is, but that your vision should ideally, I mean, we're in a democratic government, supposedly, um, should mirror what the people want. So yeah, open-minded vision builder should be like the key for that person. That, that's, that's pretty solid. An open-minded <laughs> vision, vision builder. And, yeah. and, and, and that vision building part. So you yeah. see that you want like right because you're you're onto something for sure yeah. right now the country doesn't there's no vision by the leader there isn't. The return, it's yeah. not clear what their vision for the country is at yeah. all if there yeah. is one um yeah. so that's one a very telling sign already yeah but two um if they're building a vision or yeah. what what kind of vision would you like them to have or i mean i know you want them to be open-minded but what are you hoping um is, is is within the so sphere much. of that vision so much so much <laughs> I think I definitely want a country that is safe. I can, you know, sleep at my gates wide open. We don't need high fences. We don't, like, I'm not thinking about hiring a security guard because I'm worried about, I don't know, 
Um, I want to be able to travel from state to state, which is something I used to do a lot with my family growing up, but I don't think I would do road trips as much anymore. What am I even saying? I was in Lagos like a year and a half ago and I was in an Uber. The police tried to stop us and because the driver didn't see them, but when he eventually stopped, the police officer cocked his gun at me. And this is me coming on holiday from Canada. I could have been shot at. So, you know, like... I want to feel safe in that country. I want to know that there's a place for everyone who identifies differently from me, but that I also have my own safe place. Um, And that can mean like a range of things, right? Whether it's your tribe, your religion, whatever it might be. Um, What else? What else would be my vision? Um, A place that you know, is prosperous. Like everyone is in some way or the other satisfied. Like we can't, like people are hungry back home. Like it's, I know we, it's hard to quantify, but things are, yeah yeah yes yes like sometimes people like maybe even ask me like for money for things and I'm just like this is almost nothing to me here like but that is so meaningful right to that person and just to know that people can earn like wages that make them feel like they're human again you know, I could go on and on, but right. healthcare, so, like, yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much just drove off, drove right? off whatever doctors and nurses we had. Look, it was an insane number, like two hundred yes. something nurses have left Nigeria in the past year. Like, Look, it, was, it was an insane number I saw. I couldn't believe I just, what I read. What so, is? My, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no, hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. I, 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 I couldn't agree. Yeah. Based on, you know, your, I guess, your coverage of history and what you've been able to explore, um, I'm curious, you know, at this time, what are some of the biggest trends you've noticed about Nigeria that are still taking place? Um, in terms of politics or just generally? Both, yeah. Just let's, let's keep it open on that one. Uh, I think, uh, I wouldn't say this is necessarily... Uh, I wouldn't say this is necessarily peculiar to Nigeria, um, but I think in terms of in terms of insecurity, when there's a spike in insecurity, mm-hmm. um, we tend to panic and and uh, make a panicked decision about our leaders. Mm. Um, and I see this, you know, right through right through you know from the '60s when you know there was the outbreak of the civil war. Um, that's what that's what many military leaders used to perpetuate themselves in power, you know, to the return to democracy, to you know how Buhari kicked Shio Shagari out again because of the same, you know, flashes of insecurity and so on and so forth. Right. So I think I think you know I'm seeing that I'm seeing that that trend, and what that means is that um, people are people are uh, people who want to smash and grab power mm-hmm. know that if they can create unrest. Um, they can have a better chance at you know winning elections that they whatever have. 
Um, so, I, you know, I'm kind of worried about that as well. Yeah. You know, I'm That's... also worried about, you know, go on. Um, no, I was going to say, yeah, I agree. That to me would be Nigeria's, uh, is, uh, Nigeria's biggest challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily yeah. because there's a real business in it, right? So, yeah. like, there, there's just such a lucrative business in it that if you're not doing it, there's going to be somebody else who can basically milk that out for their, for their agenda. I don't know if you've uh, uh, heard of this book, um, and there's a documentary out on YouTube. So, um, her name is Naomi yeah. Klein, and she yeah. basically has a book called The Shock Doctrine. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what uh, uh, a concept that a lot of the Western, um, I guess, powers use to mm-hmm. uh, enter countries. They take advantage mm-hmm. of that. So during shock is when you say people make, um, you know, they make bad decisions. There's yeah. a disorganization. So you can essentially take advantage of the chaotic situation and establish yes. yourself as the leader. So. Uh, yes. that's that's essentially the shock doctrine and absolutely right. Like I think that's been used consistently all over Africa, not even just Nigeria. So that's yeah. a great yeah. call out for sure. Um, I don't know if there's something else you're going to say because I'm going to switch to the next question. Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was also just going to say that uh, it's still pretty much in line with that, but I think there's too much, uh, there's so much incentive given to to violence as well, unrest, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a, groups, a group comes up and wants to dialogue with the government or wants to, uh, wants, is, is trying to make the grievances known in a non-violent way and they're pretty much ignored and even targeted um, until such a time as the group becomes violent, you know, and then suddenly everyone's paying attention. Suddenly there's, <laughs> suddenly there's a, yeah. a lot of inflow of money to try and fix the problem mm-hmm. which has already exacerbated to a to a large degree right you know so i think that's also a trend that i see that we're not able to pinpoint and uh, mitigate um, potential volatile situations before they get out of hand you know and uh yeah just i don't want to say much more than much right <laughs> yeah of, i kind of just see that <laughs> exactly see that happening yeah you know. yeah 100 percent What are the biggest trends you've noticed about Nigeria? Like, you know, I know that you follow the history and you kind of pay attention to, I guess, the ups and downs. Just from a high level, what what trends are you seeing um, that that are that, that you just are coming up in Nigeria? And maybe where do you see them going? You know what I mean? If you if you can even like pull from this. Yeah. So um, I believe we've talked about that, you know, in a rather circular way throughout our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I, I remember thinking about looking at Nigeria's history is from a rather high level, it almost seems like the country's been running around in circles for the last 400 years. You know, you had the slave era, the, the era of the slave trade, where Nigeria was the primary exporter of slaves pretty much in that region, right? To think of mm. the fact that according to Marcus Redica, the your, the slave coast, which the Yorubas controlled, import, um, exported about 4 million people. And the Bight of Biafra had this song where it says, if 10 people go in, only one comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And that region, according to the book, the slave ship exported about 4 million people. The Yoruba were also pretty notorious for the slave trade, for the slave trade with the Arabs, right? right? So, and all of that, 
relied on a system of authority in political leadership that required absolute fealty to the ruler. It's essentially the precursor to the modern godfather era, except that this time the person in charge was your king or your village chief or whatever. And I, from, from a historical perspective, that model of leadership hasn't changed much. The, I wouldn't even call the colonial era a break because essentially it was the same thing. It was just that the guy became white for 70 years. Well, he just, uh, what's the word? He, indirect. Uh, was indirect rule, right? Like, so he exactly, really just, right? Uh, passed it on to whoever the local leader was. Right? Exactly, right? Except the final, the, the head nigger in charge was white for 70 years. And essentially, the, the guys that were doing it the whole time were still doing it. They're just doing it for him yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's, then I left. feel like fundamentally, that's literally all that changed. Especially, exactly. in the, especially in the north. I think the most, you know, would probably be in the southeast. And it was because they didn't have the same organization yeah. right yeah so then, exactly. then then they exactly whole, so you uh, think of the southeast and you see you think of the decentralized sort of modes of leadership organization and, right and organization and communal, communal organization and you see that and you see how that could have led to you know greater receptivity of western values and why at the time of independence the Igbos would have had a lot of technical expertise right but you also see that the Yoruba and the Hausa... That was literally true, by the way. Just yeah. for anyone. The Yoruba and the Hausa also had a sort of... They had a sort of stricter... I wouldn't go... Well, since they had a more hierarchical structure of leadership, yep. what happened was the people in charge ended up being in charge. Except now they were vying to be in charge of an entire country. And, you know, you have these technical people who are like, yeah, but we've been working for these guys for 70 years. We should be in charge now. And they're thinking, no, but we were in charge the whole time, right? And it becomes this conflict of interest. And, right. you know, eventually a couple of powerful people decide to fight it out with the lives of young men and women. And, you know, we end up in a civil war. Right. And, and, and you, but when you think about that, the only thing that's probably changed is there's an agreement now to maybe not have a civil war. But really, the just rotation, it's almost, at this point, it's almost like the leaders just keep assaulting the country, right? And I think of how at the height of the slave trade, there was this narrative of, I, I think it was, what was his name again? Uh, it was a German, Heinrich Barth, I think, where they went to they went on like slave raids and they went to this village and it was just the king and apparently the king was like yo we sold everybody in the village literally his own people he just got rid of the entire village right and wow. it speaks to like obviously he didn't do it himself but he speaks to his desire to retain power that he was willing to actually decimate the people he was going to have power over just for the idea of being called a king, right? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't, I think it was Heinrich Bart, but I might be wrong. Right. But, but, but I guess what, what essentially what you're saying is that um, we kind of have, we've always kind of had, you know, the, whoever that de facto leader is that we kind of always report exactly. to. And uh, it's exactly. never really felt democratic. No, exactly. And the fact that we have created a system or we've lived in a system where leadership in itself is absolute mm. and that's yes. that's something that's beginning to change now or at the very least is beginning to be questioned by right. 
and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing absolute power, and and it, it it ties into a lot of things. Like you know, when we talk about elderly respect and not being able to ask questions and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. it kind of all ties into into that. So I, I see exactly what you're saying now. So that's uh, that's a pretty solid one, man. What do you think Nigeria's best three attributes are? That that would be how I, I would frame it. Right. So are you talking about Nigeria as a political entity or Nigerians or like characters of Nigeria? I, I, I want to say both. I want to say both because mm-hmm. I think those those two play a part. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, let me let me hazard uh, an attempt. I think uh, I think we're optimistic, and whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know for sure, but I definitely think people who are optimistic take chances. And when you take chances, you have greater, the odds, the odds are in your favor to, right. to get something out of those chances you're taking. So I think the fact that we're optimistic is, is a good thing. Mm. Um, I think we're resilient. Again, whether that resilience is negative or positive, I don't know. Um, but if you're resilient, you tend to stick around long enough until things start to change. Mm positively and you can take advantage of that. So I think that is also potentially a good thing. And uh, I don't know if this is a if this is a characteristic as such, but I think our diversity is also good because with diversity comes um, a a multiplicity of ideas. And I think where there's a lot of ideas, um, even if a lot of them are not so good, you definitely find some good ones at least amongst those you know polar ideas. Um, so yeah, I think those three things are, are you know, some of them are a bit uh, shoot or miss, but you know, I think they could potentially be very um, good and important things for us um, going going forward. Mm. Okay, well said. Um, well said. Um, yeah, those that, that's a that's a good three. Right? <laughs> that's a good three right there. Um, resilience seems to keep popping up, so you know that's 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 definitely a good thing. I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's because of a bad situation. for Nigeria as the people, you know, the future of Nigeria as the people, you know, the character of Nigeria as the people. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's, it's the only, diff- the only issue is that it, it kind of has to happen collectively, you know, it can happen with one single person here. We have a whole bunch of exceptional people who figure out things uh, despite the conditions of the country. Um, what I don't see enough of, and maybe hope to see more of in the future is collectives of nigerians doing great things yeah that's that's it it's all about the people we have to value each other first before our leaders value us we have to appreciate each other first before our leaders appreciate us you know we have to be in service to one another first before um 
our leader is going to be in service to us, you know? Uh, but hey, what do I know? Actually, you tell me. You can share your feedback by writing to two takes on the pod at gmail.com. If that's not your speed, no problem. You can contact me on social media and get clips, announcements, episode art, and so much more. Follow us on Instagram so you get whatever latest info is on the show. And I'm looking forward to hearing your takes. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss next episode. Yeah, do that too. You can find this wherever you should find podcasts. And while you're there, show some love and give us five stars. This has been Two Takes in a Pod. Thank you for listening. Peace and independence. Crazy things are happening. Crazy things are happening. If you need somebody's grace, you fit up somebody's grace. Crazy things are happening. Crazy things are happening. If you need somebody's grace, you fit up somebody's grace. Try, try, try. I try, try. I just want to turn my back.